Hey, everybody, welcome back to Church Online. We are glad that you are here. Thank you so much for tuning in from wherever you are. If you're just, uh, if you're coming to us for the very first time, welcome. My name is Tim. I'm joined here by a few of my friends. We're going to dig into God's word today. Over here on my left, this is my wife, Tina. This is Pastor Mark Clark. This is Micah Brantley. Ladies, he's single. <laughs> so hit him up. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with them. These are also my friends over here that I think you'd like to meet. This is uh, Pastor Doug. We have Grace LeMaster. We also have Pastor Chris, our worship pastor here. Uh, these guys are amazing people and my friends. And every week we come together uh, to study the Bible and to bring you something that I think will encourage you and empower you. And hopefully the Lord will begin to use this to speak some truth into your life and to help you. And so this week we're going to dig into uh, Matthew chapter uh, 16. I think it's going to be powerful. We're going to continue on with our series called Let's Get Real. Somebody say, let's get real. Type it in the chat if you would. Type it, let's get real, PT. Tell us where you're, uh, where you're tuning in from today. We'd love to just hear um, where the gospel is being spread, where um, all of our hard work is going to. So would you type it in uh, and let us know where you're watching from? I want to say a special welcome to, to Roxy. She watches every week from all over the, all over the planet. We've got uh, people across the pond and, and our European friends. We have uh, Jeff and Deborah there in Fort Worth. Of course, my parents, we love you guys. Uh, Mike, Marianne, Connie, Camille, uh, John, even John, we love you. <laughs> Everybody watching from home, those of you that are stuck, those of you that don't have a church home, hey, welcome. We're so glad you could make this uh, part of your day. And uh, we just want to make sure that you know that you are, you are loved, you are taken care of. And if you can't get to church, church will come to you, baby. <laughs> we'll come to you. So welcome. We're so glad you could have it to our friends all over the place. Welcome. I want to thank you also for your generosity and those of you that are, that are tithing here, that are giving, uh, blessing, blessing us here uh, financially. It really does mean a lot to me. I want to remind you though, if, if this is not your home church, if this is, uh, if, if, you're home, if you have a home church, please make sure that your tithe money goes there. Um, God, God will always take care of us, but I don't want to take from, from somebody else's. That's, that's not our heart at all. So uh, thank you so much for being generous with that. And, uh, and God's gonna, gonna do something great in your life as you, uh, as you turn your attention to his word. So Matthew 16 is where we're gonna get going. Um, this series all is, is just based upon the things that Jesus tells his disciples to do. And uh, we've found that generally the things that Jesus taught, they're, they're not difficult to understand, but they're often very hard to do. When Jesus says, love your enemies, that's it's not hard to understand, but it is hard to do, especially when you got some real enemies and you know not just people that disagree with you on Facebook. I'm talking about the, the real enemy, right? It's difficult to turn the other cheek. It's difficult sometimes to do what Jesus is asking us to do. Uh, but I'm thankful that even in his parables, he breaks things down so that it's easier for us to understand. And then uh, we have to make a choice of whether or not we're going to be obedient to it, don't we? Amen. Yeah. So uh, Matthew chapter 16 is where we're getting started. We'll pick it up in verse 21. Just a little bit of background. So Jesus now has, uh, has come to a place where the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are constantly demanding some kind of a sign. Show us a miracle. Show us some sign. And they're not really doing that because they want to believe. They're doing that because... They choose not to believe and they want to find something else to accuse him of. Um, we've got his disciples that still have an issue understanding him. You know, they think it's all about bread when Jesus has just given out bread to thousands of people. And they're like, oh, we don't have any bread. Like, Jesus doesn't need bread. <laughs> he doesn't need bread. And so obviously there's, there's a lot of frustration and pressure mounting up on Jesus as he's uh, making his message clear and, and, and making the, the gospel presentation of what he's doing uh, extremely clear to his disciples. Uh, but of course, like us, some of us are hard-headed and we choose to kind of see what we want to see. And so um, I think through his frustration, this is a moment where Jesus gets really real and he begins to show, begins to explain to his disciples um, the, the calling that's on his life, which does not agree with, with who they think he needs to be. 
And this is why I think it's so important uh, as we dig into God's word today is that Jesus is who he is. And he's not just who you want him to be. He's always gonna be who you need him to be. And that's, that's a big difference in, in some, of, some of our theologies is we want Jesus to be the God that loves us and accepts us um, unconditionally when actually he's, he's telling you, yeah, I do love you, um, but there's uh, something I want you to do and that's to surrender unconditionally to me and to trust me. And that's, that's, that's something that's hard for us to, to, um, to do not necessarily something hard for us to understand. And so here in, uh, in verse 21, it says, from that time on, this is, uh, the, so, so Peter has just come to Jesus and Jesus says, who do, who do men say that I am? Peter says, oh, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, okay, now you got it. Now one person's got it. Okay, now from this time on, let me tell you what that Messiah means because it's not what you think it means. This is what the Messiah is supposed to do. He's supposed to die for the sins of the world. That's a problem with Peter. That's a big problem. So look at this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain. The Greek word there is, is to show or to open their eyes, to display something that would help the light bulb to come on. He began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. That's not easy when a friend uh, begins to talk about things like that. But he says, I, I have to do this. The word he uses there is must. I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he says, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life, must be. That shows us that Jesus knows what his purpose is and what he has to do. And even though uh, we see later on in scripture, this is something that Jesus is even having an internal struggle with. It's hard. He says, Lord, if it's, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It's gonna be hard, but I have to do this. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine being the friend that rebukes Jesus? Like, Jesus, you're wrong. Like, no, he's, he's not wrong. <laughs> but this is a problem for Peter because this, this is not the Messiah that Peter wants, but this is absolutely the Messiah that Jesus needs. Peter says this, this shall never happen to you, exclamation point. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> like, that's not my name. <laughs> No, my, my name is Peter. <laughs> no, get behind me, Satan. And then Jesus says this, you are a stumbling block to me and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I want you to know the difference between God's concerns and human concerns. Jesus says there are two different kinds of concerns and you, you have the, uh, the ability to see them uh, through God's lens or through your own lens. There's God's concerns Human's concerns. And he says, Jesus said this to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So this is the moment where I, I'm calling this message the worst sales pitch ever. <laughs> because this is Jesus explaining and showing them very, very clearly exactly what he was all about and what he was requiring of them. And um, as we're digging into God's word today, just, just that scripture alone, I think is really powerful and important for you. It's important that you understand this um, because denying yourself, when Jesus says you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself, that's something that's not hard for us to understand, but we can all agree it's hard to do. 
And some of you, no, that's not hard for me to do. Uh, let's try dieting. <laughs> and there's a reason why uh, we, we each have a problem with dieting because there are things that you want, things that look good, things that taste good, things that smell so good. And learning how to deny yourself from that, that's, it's not hard to understand. I know how to lose weight. Actually doing it, that means you got to put in the work yeah. or do meth. I'm not sure. No, please. <laughs> but here, it's not hard to understand. It's hard to do. This is another reason why Christians have a difficulty um, fasting. We don't teach fasting anymore because that's something that's easy to understand. Jesus says some, some kind of demonic forces, these kind only come out by prayer and fasting. Well, I'll pray about it for about 30 seconds and then I expect God to just do it. Just do it, just do it. Understanding it and doing it are two different things. And so Jesus speaks really, really specifically about denying yourself. Um, so let's get real about self-denial, about what, he's, what he means when he says, take up your cross and follow me. Because this is really where, what Jesus is notorious for. It says crowds, thousands of people crowded around Jesus because they love the, the free meals. They love the healthcare plan that he's got going on. Uh, but Jesus thins out the herd real fast when he starts talking about things that cross people's will. And when he starts getting, out, getting into uh, the, the real sales pitch of what he's trying to promote and what he's all about, that, 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 that catches people wrong. I heard, a, I heard a pastor say this, you know, as I, as I look at the church and I think if, if Jesus himself had a church in my city, my church would be bigger than Jesus's. And he's true because Jesus would run a lot of people off. He would. And Jesus had a way of telling people uh, very clearly um, what he was requiring of them. And that is not something that anybody wants to hear, especially not in America. You're asking me to deny myself. I don't like that. I want to hear the bless me scriptures. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after me. And that's a, that's a problem with many of us. And I want to give you several reasons um, that'll help us to understand what Jesus is asking of us. And the first thing that we see is uh, self-denial. It goes against everything that we feel. It goes against everything that we feel. And Jesus says there's, there's human concerns and God concerns. And for, for Peter, you know, that's a, that's a big problem because Peter's like, no, 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 no. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. We just said it a few minutes ago. You're supposed to deliver us out of, of Roman rule. And Jesus says, no, no. The things that you have in mind are not the things that God has in mind. Right. And there's a big difference between um, in, in our hearts and we look at Jesus because uh, everything is, uh, has a switch between what we feel and how we trust. And this is the problem. Can we trust that God is good and that he has a plan and that his ways are perfect and right and what he's offering us? Or do we trust what we feel? And generally, that's a, that's a difficult place for us to come to. But Jesus says, you have human concerns, not God concerns. And so this is where God wants to change our heart. So I wrote it down this way. And I think it's important that you remember this. God never asks you to change your heart. He does that. He does ask you to change your mind, to change your way of thinking. That's called repentance, where we change the way that we're thinking. This is what God requires of you. Let God change your heart. And this is where everything goes from how we feel to what we trust. And if we can trust that God's word is real, if we can trust that he has great things in store for us, if we can trust that his word absolutely speaks to where we are, then it can bypass the things that we feel. Because you know, honestly, it, it goes against everything that we, that we feel. So in... And, and who doesn't want to, to fight to keep their own life when Jesus says, hey, whoever wants to 
define their life has to lose it. Like, that's hard for me. That goes against what I feel. I like my life. I like my family. I like the wins. I like the successes. I like those things. But Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to be willing to let all those things go. And that doesn't mean that you're, that you can't have nice things. Those things can't have you. And our life can't be based upon those things. You know, it takes a supernatural work of Christ to change our own natural instincts because it is impossible to do it on our own. The world will argue with you. So self-denial, when we talk about that, the, the biblical definition of that is the willingness to deny oneself anything in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. The willingness to deny oneself anything. Uh, that's, that's, that's really a, a problem in our American Christianity um, because denying yourself doesn't, doesn't fit very, very well in, this, in that kind of theology. Uh, but Jesus says, this is what I'm asking of you uh, to lay down who you think you are and to come back to a place where it's a simple uh, self-denial. Yeah. This is where God calls each of us to renounce ourselves as the center of existence in order to place him there. He is the center of the universe. He is the thing that is most important, not me. Here's the second thing I know about uh, getting real about self-denial is that people will try to keep you from God's purpose when it doesn't serve theirs. And this is exactly what Peter does. Like that's not gonna happen. That doesn't serve my purpose. This is not the Jesus that I want. This is not the Messiah that I think uh, should be. And Jesus calls him a stumbling block. He says, no, no, no. You, you're, first of all, he calls him Satan. Then he says, you're a stumbling block. That Greek word is scandalon, where we get our word scandal. And some of you, you've been involved in a scandal and that's why you're having to watch TV. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, scandal on, which means a trap. It's a trap that we make uh, with words. And we find out in the process that it's really trapped us. And so Jesus says, the words that you're using are, are, are stumbling block. They're a trap to me. It's, it's, uh, it's do, you're going against God's, God's plan for my life. The purpose that God has for me, your, your words are trapping me. Why? Because he loves Peter deeply. He loves them. He loves his disciples. He doesn't want to have to go to the cross, but it's, it's the Messiah that they need. And he's like, Peter, I know that you love me. And, and remember this, that Jesus fought through the temptation uh, for 40 days and 40 nights while denying himself uh, food and water. Uh, and the enemy came and attacked him with just this thing that Peter is attacking him with. You don't have to go to the cross. There's a, there's a way to bypass all those things. There's a way to bypass that self-denial stuff. So I'll just, just fall down and worship me. And Peter begins to echo that. No, you don't have to go to the cross. That's not gonna happen. And Jesus says, that's a stumbling block to me. You're causing me to stumble. Um, when you know what God has asked you to do and, you, and others try to talk you, talk you out of it, including yourself, sometimes we'll do that to ourselves. I know what God wants from me, but I talk myself out of it. Like, oh, it's not a good time can't really afford it or what will people think. But when you know what God has asked you to do and you let people talk you out of it or you talk yourself out of it, that's scandal on, that's a stumbling block. Yeah. And, uh, and people, including yourself, will try to talk you out of God's purpose when it doesn't suit theirs. And this, there's a reason why in Matthew 18, it says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, and little ones being young Christians, causes them to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone tied around their neck and drown. So we say uh, all the time with bad theology, you're causing me to stumble means like you're bringing me into sin. That's not really what that means. It's saying you're keeping me from the purpose that God has for my life. Wow. He says, if you cause one of these new believers to turn around and to love things more than they love God, to talk about how they feel versus who they know, 
the word of God. So that's causing people to stumble. And there needs to be something that happens in our mind when we understand what Jesus is asking of us and what he asked of himself. And he looks at Peter and says, hey, Satan, get behind me. I, I can't listen to that because I know what I'm called to do. I have to do this. And I love you deeply and I don't wanna hurt your feelings. But this is my purpose. I have to do this. The world depends upon it. Here's the third thing I know about self-denial. It is a daily battle. Somebody say amen. Type amen in the chat right there. It's a daily battle to submit to the Lord and to deny ourselves what our fleshly desires want. Uh, That's why the scripture says his mercies are new every morning because there's gonna be times and mornings that you wake up that yesterday was not a good day. And this has nothing to do with whether or not you're saved. This is the daily battle for your sanctification where God begins to peel back the layer of your life and begins to pull things out of your life that you know don't belong there. This is the beautiful part of walking with our father is that he, he doesn't leave you as you are. And it's a daily battle to allow him to do the work that he wants to do inside of each of us. That self-denial, man, allowing God to do things uh, with each of our lives and our hearts and our family and our marriage and our finances, as he, as, he changes, as he changes those things, man, that's hard. It is a daily battle. Um, I say it this way. Salvation is a decision that we make once, but following Jesus is a decision that we make every day. You see, I've heard this scripture mis- misinterpreted many, many times by people that may be well-meaning, but they'll say, you know, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying, you have to save yourself. And that is not, we know that 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 can't possibly be it. Jesus never asked us to save ourselves. He was perfect enough. He he saved us. So he's not talking about, you're gonna have to go to the cross. He's simply saying, this is a little bit different than what you think. You're gonna have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Uh, Little by little, day by day, I, I say no to me and yes to him. I love where uh, in in Titus chapter two, it says, for the grace of God has appeared and it's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. What a good scripture. It says it's training us, it's training us. You see, there's a big difference between being saved and being discipled. And they're not the same thing. That decision that we make once, and the decision that we make every day to be discipled by Jesus, to get close to him, to understand him better, for him to pull things out of our life as he's training us to live this life that Titus says is, is self-controlled, upright, and godly in this present age. By the way, that's a rare thing. People don't wanna do that anymore. No one wants to deny themselves. No one wants to pick up that cross and follow after him. But this is the one thing I love about Jesus, perhaps more than anything else. This is point number four, Jesus never hid the cost. That's why he's the worst salesman of all time, right? He never hid the cost. He was very clear, very open about what it cost to be his disciple. Notice, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Luke 14, Jesus says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We know that that is not salvation. That's discipleship. There's a big difference between being saved and being a disciple. Once again, salvation is a decision we make once. Being discipled by Jesus, that's a decision that we make every day. See, the thief on the cross was saved, but wasn't a disciple. Make sense? The thief on the cross, he actually carried his own cross. But we have this this thing in our mind that we even say in our culture, um, we say, that's my cross to bear. 
You ever heard, we, we say that, right? Well, it's, that's just my cross to bear. And what that means when we say that is that's just something I have to deal with. It's part of you know, what, I, what I have to do because the cross to us is, is burdens. But the cross to Jesus wasn't a burden necessarily. And it wasn't something that he had to, well, it's not a thing. The cross that Jesus had to bear was an instrument of torture. This was the end of his life. And so it's not just something that you have to bear. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about you bearing the weight of your own sins. He's not talking about things at all. He's talking about this was an instrument of torture where I laid down my life. Not just I had to walk through a difficult situation. You know, the cross wasn't a burden. It wasn't things. It was a choice to surrender his will. That's the daily cross that you're going to have to take up in order to be a follower of Jesus it's the laying down of your will, the laying down of your wants, the laying down of your fleshly desires, and they are strong. It's the constant battle between your carnal nature and the nature of Christ, who you think you are and who he sees you as. It's what you feel and what you trust. And man, that's a difficult tension for all of us to live in. I struggle with that every day. It's not my salvation, but it's my calling to be a disciple of Christ, to become more like him, to lay down the things that I want, the things that I think I need, the things that I like and say, Lord Jesus, do these bring you glory? Is this what you want for me? Because I don't wanna have anything in my life to have a control over me except for you. I trust you. So Jesus is not saying, oh, you're, you're gonna have tough days. No, he's clearly saying there's a heavy cost to following him and he's very clear about this. Uh, we say this in, in, uh, on our staff and in, in part of our culture is that clarity is kindness. It's the kindest thing that Jesus can do uh, for us is to be very clear about the cost of being a disciple. You know, salvation is free, but discipleship costs you everything. Everything. You're willing to walk away from all of it. So there's a friend of mine that had, um, he had a big mouth and he was constantly getting himself into trouble and he's incredibly gullible, which I loved. It's made, a, made for a great friendship because you could just tell him anything. It was great. Uh, but one time he called me, he said, man, you wouldn't believe what I got. Uh, we were, we were roommates. And <laughs> I said, what do you got? He goes, dude, I got a, I got a 60 inch TV and I bought it for 50 bucks. I'm like, you bought a 60 inch TV for 50 bucks. This is like one of those big projector ones. We're going to have to take five people to move in. And some of you have no idea what a projector TV even is. I'm dating myself. I said, no, no, no. It's a flat screen TV. It's 60 inch. It is brand new, still in the box. I said for 50 bucks. I said, yeah, there's a guy on the side of the road. I'm selling them in the back of a white van. I'm like, dude. <laughs> You seriously bought a $50 TV out of a guy on the side of the road? Yeah, it's amazing. You got to, um, I, I can't wait to bring it home. So he brings this thing home. He brings this huge box in and it was, it was the right box. A huge expensive TV. I'm like, man, this is like a, a $900 TV. Still in the box. We open up the box and pull it out. The guy had sold him an oven door. <laughs> an oven door. I am not kidding. He pulls it. <laughs> it's a 60 inch oven door. And I'm looking at this guy and this guy's looking at me and we're like, I, <laughs> you, you're kind of gullible, man. You didn't think to open up the box and to see what it's a really great prize. He goes, man, I feel so bad. I was like, why? He goes, cause I tried to buy two of them and this guy felt so bad for me that he didn't want to sell me anymore. He told me. <laughs> When you're so gullible that you're trying to buy more of them and the, guy, the salesman that is ripping you off feels bad for you. Like, how crazy is that? But that's what happened. Uh, you know, and, and in this moment, we see Jesus with his very clear sales pitch as the worst salesman of all time because he is very clear about the fine print. It's gonna cost you everything. 
And only one thing could offer total loss as a price tag and still be worth it. And that's the point that I'm making today. Jesus says the cost of following me, it's everything. It's everything. Multiple times Jesus thinned out the crowd by telling them the cost of what it meant to truly follow after him. And there's also multiple times where Jesus spoke to someone and said, follow me. And they gave an excuse to the things that held on to them. I wonder what are your things? What are the things that keep you from becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your discipleship. That's where we become mature believers. It's our ability to let go of what we treasure most. When Jesus is what you treasure most, everything else pales in comparison. I love that Jesus never hid the cost. And the fifth and final point is this, that Jesus can't exaggerate the reward. I love serving a God that you can't exaggerate. I love the fact that you can't exaggerate how good heaven is gonna be. That's why Jesus doesn't have to hide the cost because it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Jesus says in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. He said, I've got to have this. It's worth it. It's worth everything that I have because this is worth far more. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing because following after Jesus, even though it costs all that we have, it's not always painful. It's not always painful. And it's, it's, it's something that we can't say, well, everything great is waiting for us in heaven. There are some great days that you're gonna have in this life. You know why? Because you get Jesus. You get Jesus with you every single day, mentoring you, teaching you, developing you, calling you up to be something better. And as you begin to lay down things that don't matter and that ultimately will not satisfy, you get Jesus. That's why it's worth it. Not just in heaven, today, here, you get him. I love that uh, Paul echoes this in Philippians 3. And I'll finish up with this today. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says, everything in my life, trash compared to just knowing him. And it makes sense to no one else. The rest of the world can understand it. They think it makes no sense to, to follow after Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. But you know, Jesus himself looked at another person when they said, I'll follow you. He says, you look, foxes have holes, birds have nests. I don't even know where I'm gonna lay my head at tonight. Right. It's not secure. There's, there's something called a step of faith where we lay down things that are important to us. Yeah. And we say, Lord, these are, these are things that are incredibly critical to the world, yeah. but I consider them trash compared to the joy of knowing you. You're worth everything. That's the cost of following Jesus that he asks us to make. And I wonder, are there things keeping you from truly being a disciple of Jesus? Are there things that are keeping you from following after him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? My friend, he wants to be Lord of all, not just Lord of most. I'm, I wrote it down this way. Life will be tough any way you live it, but only one way rewards you with Jesus. Yeah. He's our reward. And it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. The pain we have to walk through, it's worth it. The trials you're walking through right now, worth it. The rejection that you may feel from other people, it's worth it. The things you have to lay down, it's worth it. It's worth it because you get Jesus. As we're finishing up today, I wanna to just remind you that God has a plan for your life. But that plan moves at the speed of your obedience. 
And if you're willing to lay down things that you know are not right, things that are contrary to his word, things that you know that world may say it's important and other people may say, but this is who you are. If those things have a hold of your heart, then you're missing the point, my friend. You're not really living. Jesus says, whoever finds me finds life. But in order to do that, you have to be willing to risk it all. All of it. It's unconditional surrender to the radical kindness of a great God. He's asking for your unconditional surrender today. I want to encourage you to let him have it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Let me pray for you as we finish up today. And I want to remind you of a couple of things. If you're a, if you like what you hear today, would you, would you do me a favor? Would you share this message on social media? Would you share this across Facebook or YouTube or any of the, the social media platforms that you're watching? Um, it, it means the world to me if you would, wouldn't mind doing that. But for everyone else, I want to finish up with a prayer. Father, I pray for every single person that's watching this video today. And I know that you're calling them into a deeper relationship with you. So Father, we may be saved and may have gotten stuck holding on to things and relationships to a past, to, to, to whatever it may be. And forgetting the most important thing is you, you. Lord, we believe that your word calls us to something more. And so I pray that my friends would respond to you today. Holy Spirit, I pray that if there are things in their life that are keeping them from following after you with their whole heart, that you would address those things, that they would lay them down right now. In Jesus' name. For everyone else watching, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never taken the first step of asking him to forgive you of your sins, I wanna help you. I wanna help you just like somebody helped me one time. I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, take it all. I give it to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Text me. The number is 94090. Text the words, I prayed, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D. It means the world to me when I get uh, these I prayed emails from all over the world of people taking a step of faith and trusting Christ and their savior for the very first time. That means absolutely everything to me. So thank you for that. I'd love to just send you some things that will help you and encourage you, help you to understand what happened in your heart and what to do next. Uh, we'd love to be your connection to a, to a great and amazing life following after the Lord and submitting the areas of your life that, that he's asking for. Let us help you do that. For everyone else, I pray that you have an amazing day. God bless you as you go. Take care.